Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. It's one of those where we've done three episodes or however many, and we've run out of conversation. Yeah. Which okay. some of you might like. Because I, I think hear some that people the, like it. some people think we fucking talk too much. Yeah. Remember that one comment we got, and then I schooled <laughs> her ass, and she deleted her comment. <laughs> Whatever, sure. guys. This yeah. is a conversational podcast. If you don't want conversation, go to, like, CBC or something. Yeah. And they also, have great like... podcasts. Like, I do like the CBC podcast. Yeah. But, like, or podcasts. I've said, like... You know, like supernatural or serial killers or or something where they just like they just recite yeah. things. That's a different podcast that's style like, altogether. I, like I feel like that's more like audiobook style. Yeah, absolutely. And like sometimes I like that. Yeah. Sometimes I want to hear people Fluff discuss and banter back and forth and yeah. chat about things and sidebar about things and yeah, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So if you don't like it, go home. Yeah. There's the door, buddy. <laughs> No, we love you all, but just don't comment mean stuff. Because I get all stressed, and then I got to school your asses. And it's just, it's a lot, okay? Oh, my gosh. Again, we're making it sound worse than it was. No, it, was it wasn't. It was just like, this podcast would be so great if they would stop talking and shut up. <laughs> and naturally, it was, like, borderline funny. I was like, I know, it was like, it's like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Like, there was a compliment in there. There was. It, it, it existed inside of that <laughs> sentence. It just wasn't a good compliment. No. But, no. Yeah. And I also, when I say I schooled this person's ass, I wasn't actually, like, mean. I just explained and was like, just so you know, like... You made some really good points, actually. I did screenshot it for, you know, my own viewing, <laughs> viewing pleasure. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's some of, the, some of these, a lot of these cases are just really heavy. And um, we've said before, like, sometimes we need to break them up with a little bit of... I have Conversation to. or chat or whatever for, like, ourselves. So, I again, need comedic if, relief. If, um you're a listener and like that's not you just like something a bit more fluid and like consistent and direct like in terms of the storytelling and and the information of the case then hey you're more hardcore than us congrats you can handle a little bit more trauma than we can (laughs) so there's that (laughs) yeah we need to break it up a little bit just a (laughs) skinch absolutely this is gonna be no different uh (laughs) fortunately no, Haley's cases are always this morbid and dark and suck. unsolved and make me hate everything. Everything, so. yeah. And, yeah, we're in for another one. So we're, I, everyone always is like, I love the Bleeding London cases. And I'm like, you are weird. <laughs> <laughs> we <Hey>. have problems. <laughs> yeah. I get it, though. I get it. No, absolutely. And so this is obviously another installment of the Bleeding London series. Um, and, yeah, I think these cases, like we've said before, just... I think mean, they hit us differently mm-hmm. because it's so close to home. Yeah. It literally is our home. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's all of these places I'm going to talk about and stuff. Like, every time I research one of these cases, I'm like, yep, walked through there last week or walked yep. by that, like, a month ago or drove yep. past there or been there or went to school there or, or, or had a friend house. that lived <laughs> like, next door to there. You know, yeah. like, it's just so, yeah. 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 Familiar. So... Uh, okay, so today we're discussing Linda White. Uh, this is, we're kind of sort of back in the timeline. Our last episode was Helga Beer, mm-hmm. who was 1967, 68. Well, I can't I remember years. Uh, yeah. So we're very close to that timeline, though. So okay. this is the summer of. This is the summer of 1968. That's why I'm thinking. I'm like, Helgebeer was August, I think, 1968 as well. Um, okay. So we we start in the summer of 1968, basically. But Linda White um, was a 19-year-old. She was getting ready to begin her first year at Western um, at Huron College, which okay. is one of the affiliates of Western. Um, she was unable to get a room in one of the dorms, so she ended up renting a room in a house off campus with some of her high school friends from oh, her fun. yeah from her hometown of Burlington. So some of her high school friends were also coming to Western. Okay. 
so they got a house together. That's so fun. Like we, all, it is I mean, fun. we've all been in that boat. Like we have friends think, that have done that. Like yeah, I think the typical sort of like experience that people want is like first year to be in a dorm, and then like second year and beyond, you get a house with your friends and stuff. So I understand she might have been like slightly disappointed to not be like to the live dorm that dorm experience. life kind of thing. But honestly, it's probably honestly, better to live with your friends anyways. Like yeah, I never did the dorm experience because i went to western and i live here um but like partied in dorms and stuff like that and like stayed over at friends dorms and like it's not comfortable like it's not, no like, it's like one it's, simple room like i remember when ali like and megan a, were saying their dorm situation wherever they had gone and yeah. like it was just like the two beds basically beside each other yeah <laughs> and i was like guys that that actually doesn't sound like the most fun private time. It honestly ever. looks like like it's when cute, there's when but... no one because I had a couple of friends that like moved into like Kings or Western or whatever like so during Frosh Week I'd like go in and like they hadn't really like moved in yet it's just yeah. their stuff was in there and without anything on the walls and like any of your stuff in there it literally looks like a prison cell. Yeah, <laughs> like, like a without like a the closet. bars on the windows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's just a utility room. It's not anything. And special. again, like the stories that Luke talks about dorm. Like, first-year dorms and everything, like, absolutely, like, a riot of a time. So I understand the – she might have felt appeal. like she was missing out in that sure. way, of course. But she at least was staying with friends in a house. Way more fun. Um, Yeah. So I'm sure it was still a great situation. And um, the, so the house was located at 34 Argyle Street, okay. which is in the southeast corner of, like, Warncliffe and Oxford. Mm -hmm. It's right off of Blackfriars. Okay. You know, like that area. Yes. Okay. Like nowadays, Blackfriars is a very cute little area. I it's, think I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, basically, if you were driving north on Warncliffe before you get to Oxford, it's like if you turn down any of those little streets. Okay, that's just oh, that okay. little corner there. That's Blackfriars, okay. pretty much. Yeah, so that's where she lived. So, um, it was like a 30 minute walk to campus because okay. you would just walk right up Warncliffe, right, which turns into Western Road. Right. Yeah. So 30 minute walk from campus. So actually, like relatively close. Um, and then. Which campus actually, it said in, um, I think it was Murder City that said this, or maybe Forest City Killer, I can't remember, that Western campus was, like, literally on the outskirts of town back then. Oh, that's cute. I know. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, that it was, like, that now was it's, the like, end. the heart of That everything. was the end of it, yeah. Whereas yeah. now it's, like, Western, and then you go way beyond, and then there's Masonville Mall and the whole North End, and, yeah. like, that's super funny. developed. So it's like, yeah. The outskirts of To just of picture town Western campus and then just like farmland. Barren yeah. open space. <laughs> it was probably gorgeous. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it was. It would probably look like a little, nice. like nestled in the little countryside yeah. or something. So nice. <laughs> um, so yeah. So it was a 30 minute walk to Huron College and Western's main campus, which if anyone, obviously, if you're not from London, Huron College is like right across the street from main campus. So yeah. it's just all kind of part of it. Yeah. Um, and Linda also saw a typing tutor two to three times a week. Okay. Who lived just a few blocks away from her house. So the house was in like a really good sort of area for her. Um, it also is, as you know, like really close to downtown as well too. So like yeah. if you were going to go like to a bar downtown or something, it's relatively close. Yeah. Um, so starting university is often the time when, like, people take advantage of a fresh start or you want to, like, do yeah. a little bit of, like, reinventing or just kind of, like, finding who New you are. Do, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So Linda was um, so close with a lot of her friends from Burlington who would also come to London to attend Western. Um, but she also made a lot of new friends, too. Okay. She had, I guess in high school, she had had black hair. Um, but in her last year of high school, she had, like, dyed her hair blonde, kind of, like, taken on like a totally new look yeah. um according to some friends she had sort of like become a lot more outgoing and kind of like, like come out of her of shell yeah a little bit. like yeah okay that's awesome yeah absolutely so like this is sort of just i, I guess that. like the trajectory she was on she was just really sort of like coming into her like own blossoming and... into her like womanhood yeah yeah that's, that's exactly nice. yeah um so yeah, it seems like she was eager to sort of like carve her own path in this new new world she was kind of now living in, and she made she made like I said a lot of new friends. She, it sounds like she was very sociable, very likable, um, and she made lots of new friends on campus. She made friends with a couple of guys who were the the two guys were roommates, so they lived together. Okay, and they shared a car. And given that she didn't live as close to campus as like a lot of the other first year students who were living like on campus or whatever, mm -hmm. um, they would offer her rides home. Um, especially in the winter when it would get like really cold. I would imagine that even a 30 minute walk would probably feel like 
hours in like negative 20 degree oh, weather well, so yes like, like we've all been there confirm, yeah. yeah at least up here <laughs> yeah in Canada. um so yeah so they would offer we rides all, all the time igloos, so yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when my polar bear is not available to yeah know, give me a ride to work you get your snowshoes out and it's <laughs> yeah. a little bit more cross country but you know everything yeah you burn lots of calories yes, since you're shivering lots, all, the all the time <laughs> constant vibration <laughs> um so although like the specific reason for this isn't entirely known we can only speculate on this linda would never get dropped off by these guys directly in front of her house she would mm-hmm. always ask them to drop her off just one street north of the intersection of okay. Western Road in Oxford or Warncliffe in Oxford okay. at Sandby Street. So, like, if you look on the map, basically, it is just, like, one street one north of, of like, okay. that that intersection. Okay. Um, she would get them to just drop her off there. Like, just literally, like, pull over on the side of the road okay. and she'd get out. This either could have been like a safety precaution for like being like, yeah, I know these guys and I become friends with them, but I I haven't known them very long. So I don't want them to know where I live. Or this also could have been because this drop off point was very, very close to where her tutor's house was that she saw two to three times a week. Okay. So maybe she was going there first. And it sounds like she saw her tutor mostly in like the evenings after classes. So she could have been like, drop me off here. I'll go to my tutors and then I'll walk home after. Yeah. Okay. And it's just closer than being dropped off at home and then walking back to the tutor's house. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it could be. So it it could have been either or. It could have been a combination of the two. We don't know. That's just where they said they would always drop her off. Okay. Um, you know, in the evenings after class. So yeah. on the evening of November 13th, 1968, Linda had just finished writing a French midterm exam with her friend Pamela, um, who was a friend from Burlington. Linda had asked some of her classmates to go for a drink at the CPR Tavern. Okay. Um, which is the Seeps. <laughs> I read that and I was okay. like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I was I was going to say, like, what is that now or something? <laughs> and I realized Seeps. why it's called okay. the Seeps because I had never understood why it was, like, really called the Seeps. But, like, CPR Tavern. Like, CP Seeps. But then where's the Argo? They just dropped it. What's the CPR stand for? <laughs> you didn't do this research, Haley? I don't I know. I want out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> also the uh, seeps is fun we've been, we've all been oh, there oh yeah oh the seeps so the shout se- out to seeps <laughs> so for again for anyone not from london the seeps has been known as like western's bar like yeah. the university's bar for like a very long time it's been around since I like she didn't i don't even think i knew that but yeah, i didn't go to western it, so it, it is like very much associated with western i can't really remember why i think it's just because it's maybe been around like for a very long time, yeah. as has the university. So they've both been, like, two very long-standing, like, yeah. things in London. Like, like, I think the Seeps this. has been around since, like... The, the dawn l- of time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like they had a sign one time where it was, like, since, like, Back 1895 or something. Like, and which, I mean, in North America is pretty old. In Europe, it's, like, you're a fucking baby. But yeah. 18, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> 18, late 1800s is, like, pretty old for anywhere yeah. here. Um so, so yeah, that could be why. But they have strong associations with Western and, like, a lot of Western programs and, like, clubs and stuff will do mixers there. Like, there's just a lot of – that's it's known as, like, the sort of Western another. bar. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. So she was like, does anyone want to go for a drink at the Seeps? No one was interested that night. So Linda decided to head home. Um, the same two boys that often gave her rides dropped Linda off at the same location they always did near Stanby Street. These two boys – are the last two people to have seen Linda alive. Okay. Linda's roommates didn't really think anything of her not, like, being home shortly after her exam because she had told them that she was planning on going to the seeps afterwards with some Uh, people. So they were just sort of like, okay, she's probably out for drinks. So they didn't really think anything of it. Um, Unaware that no one had accepted Linda's offer and that they actually should have been expecting her home. I they see. didn't really, okay. yeah, they didn't really have any concerns. Just like a Un- miscommunication, really, in that part. Yeah. Until the next morning when they found Linda's bed empty um, and they found no signs that she had returned home at all. Okay. So they called Linda's older brother, John. Okay. John, who was in Burlington, immediately drove down to London with a couple other members of Linda's family. Um, John questioned, Good. yeah, he was like, quick he, acting, he yeah. hopped in the car and was like, I'm coming down. She yeah. hasn't come home in one night. Like That's not her. Yeah. Yeah. John questioned Linda's roommates and friends, um, but even the boys who dropped her off denied 
seeing her that night. Okay. This is sort of the big thing in the Linda White case. I'll get to why... Well, I have part of it here, basically. But, like, the last known point where anyone had seen Linda was um, her friend Jim seeing her leaving the student center on main campus just after 7 p.m. Okay. Getting into a blue Volkswagen. And that was the color of the car that the boys drove? This was their car. Okay. But the official story and report, because these two boys didn't come out at the time, Mm. was for like 40 years was because, um, or was that, um, like Jim didn't know who the driver of the car was. Okay. So because he saw her getting into a car, the official sort of like story or accepted story was that Linda was like Linda hitchhiked home. Okay. Okay. I see. I see how that could have gotten to that point. Yeah. So for, like I said, a very very long time um that was the last place anyone had seen linda alive when in reality okay these boys had seen her at a very different location about half an hour later so the story later turned into one that like read that linda disappeared after hitchhiking the uproar from the city around the dangers of hitchhiking after linda's disappearance actually spawned the London Transit Commission to extend the two Dundas route up Western Road towards the university to try and prevent students from hitchhiking. So before this, the two Dundas, which like me and you have taken many times. That's all I took. And it does go all the way up to Western. And now it goes, does it go to Masonville now? Yeah, I think think it goes past Western now. But at the time, it didn't go all the way to campus. It would have stopped like probably closer to downtown. Okay. This was the case that pushed the LTC to push that route into campus. Okay. Um, Okay. So in reality, Linda was actually getting into the blue Volkswagen with the two boys whom she knew and who frequently drove her home and was last seen at the corner of Western Road in Sambi, nearly three miles away, closer to 7.30, not 7 o'clock. Okay. Okay. So this really, like, this really... um, skews the timeline yeah and and it would change things quite a bit the placement of everything it changes things a whole makes it a lot lot. harder to actually find what happened yeah 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 so the next day but this is this is the story that they're going with at the time john talked to all of her friends last place she was seen was outside of the student center getting into a car right okay the next day november 15th um John White, linda's brother organized a search party for linda comprised of students staff and citizens of london she had not been missing long enough to make a missing person's report. Okay. In, I believe, Forest City Killer, it said 48 hours, which oh. I thought it was 24, but maybe that's been changed. But maybe at the time it was 48 hours. Possible. Yeah. Um, And I guess like that's they- such a long It time. seems like a really Holy long time. Shit. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm thinking it has been shortened because like that's- That's absurd. I feel like I've heard 24 hours more often than yeah. I've heard 48, but- yeah, okay. At the time, I guess it was 48. So I guess knowing this, he didn't even bother to report it to the police because he was like, they're not going to turn away anyways. And take I'm it anyways. Time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he assumed probably correctly that they wouldn't really like show much concern at this point. They searched all around Huron and Western Campus all the way down like toward Linda's, Linda's house and around her neighborhood and along the river. Okay. Um, now I've heard sort of two versions of why John did this. I've heard that it was either just like on a whim or that someone said they saw Linda down at the train station, but John White went down to the train station on York Street okay. and showed Linda's picture to the attendants to see if she had like been she had, there at all. She had bought a train ticket or she had been there. One of the attendants said, Oh yeah, I just saw that girl getting on the train heading to Toronto. Um, and the train, he was like, which one? And they're like, the one that's leaving the platform, like, right now. So John runs to the platform. He jumps on the last open door on the train, um, right as, like, the final boarding call is being shouted. He makes his way down the entire length of the train, like, searching for Linda, like, looking at everyone, like... Yelling her name, probably. Just screaming, yeah, yeah. Like, she... But, like, he got all the way down the train and she wasn't there. So he jumped off the back of the last train car just as the train was picking up speed. And, like, just did, like, a talk and Is he, like, James Bond or something? I think so. Like... Like, that's badass. Yeah. Like, when I'm picturing this entire scene, I'm, (laughs) I'm like... I'm picturing, like, a quadruple backflip in the air off of this moving train. Yeah. Like, that's, like, 
fucking pure dedication yeah. though like that's someone who is like cares willing to and do is like i'm gonna anything do anything yeah to find his sister which is just like admirable I mean, absolutely it's, yeah, yeah. So he he got off okay. He was he was fine. But yeah. um, well, I mean, he's James Bond. I probably didn't even make a yeah. count. So, <laughs> so he went straight back to Linda's house on Argyle Street. By that afternoon, everyone in Linda's family, including her parents, were in London searching for her. Mm-hmm. Linda's uh, siblings. I don't. It didn't say how many siblings she had, but like I said, everyone was there at that point. Yeah. Um, there was a part in the in the book i think in murder city as well but in forest city killer for sure where there's like a scene that's described where linda's siblings watched as their father walked along the thames river in like freezing rain poking at the water with a with a long branch just like trying to find yeah something um i can't even imagine like putting yourself in that position of like this is what i now have to do yeah like that would just feel yeah it was yeah, it was just, like, a scene that, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that, like, I'm never going to be, like, sort of, that image is always going to stay with me, I think. Like, thinking about these London cases, it's just, I don't know. It just feels like, like, I don't know, like, hopelessness almost. Yeah. Like, someone just being, like, I, I'm just, hoping to find something in the river. Like, you're, yeah. at that point, you're, you're like. Just, like, it, what feels like grasping at straws. Yeah, and yeah. it's just so sad. Like, it broke my heart just to think about, like, I don't know, like, my dad doing that. Yeah. And yeah. just, I don't know. I just, I, at this point when I was researching, I had to stop because, like, I just... Take a minute, yeah. Yeah, it really, it just really affected me in a way. And I think it's part of the reason, too, is that, like, again, all of these places are places yeah. I've grown up around. Like, I've walked along they, the like, Thames River. Hit like It hits home. Yeah, it's, it's yeah upsetting. Yeah. So, back at the house... Linda's room was searched again, and this time they did find something. Okay. Her brother John had found the clothes that Linda's roommates said she was wearing the day of her exam, and they were, like, crumpled up, and they were piled up underneath her bedspread. Now, her roommates were absolutely certain that the clothes had not been there the morning of the 14th when they found Linda's bed empty. Oh. They were like, no, like, we... We checked. Yeah, like we, I don't know if they didn't say specifically specifically that they lifted the bedspread or the bedspread was already like pulled back yeah. or whatever, but they were like, no, those clothes weren't there. John and other members of the family had also searched Linda's room pretty thoroughly when they had arrived in London and had not found the clothes the first time. Okay. That's really, really weird. Yeah. The her roommates also all described Linda as like really tidy, yeah. and they were like, "This didn't seem like the way she would like put away her clothes, especially that she clothes she had crumple. been wearing too." Yeah, she would just crumple them up and shove them under her bed. Like they were like, "That's not something she, no, we feel like she, she would have like done or something like that." Yeah, okay. Um, so if Linda had come back to change into her clothes after her exam, like people were just sort of like, why would she have left them there? Why yeah. would she have left them there in that manner? Weird. So that seemed very very weird to everybody. John went down to the London police station that night to officially report Linda missing. Okay. At this point, um, Margaret Sheeler, Victoria Mayo, Mm -hmm. Georgia Jackson, Helga Beer, Frankie Jensen, and Scott Leishman were all unsolved murders of women and children. So many for, like, just one city at that exact time. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, somehow the attendant, like, taking the report still suggested that Linda probably just ran away. Naturally, because that is what happens, right? You know? Yeah. Or he was like, oh, she just finished exams. Like, she's probably just, like, run off to blow off steam. I mean... Which is honestly... Sure, but no... That notion is hilarious to me. Like, I'm sorry, you could ask my parents what I was like in university where I, like, yeah, I definitely, like, went out and partied to blow off steam. I didn't disappear for days on end without telling no. them. No, and if that's the case, like, man, we got to look at the education system if people are just up and leaving for days on end. Yeah, like, like can't no, handle it. I got to fucking disappear. <laughs> that's not how it goes. No. No. 
Like, especially someone with zero history of doing anything like that. Yeah. If this is a person who in their teenage years ran off all of the time and there's a the history of that there, behavior. Like the warning's there for it, that. It doesn't negate that they should still be looked into, but at least it makes more sense as to why the police would believe that. If exactly. this is a person who their parents and friends are like, this is totally out of character, yeah. there's just no excuse. And, and there's I, like, no excuse. I say it every time we talk about like a disappearance where it's like, okay, sure, that's what you think happened. Find the person, have them tell you they disappeared. They don't want to come back. Let the family know. I'm fine. I'm not coming back. That's the thing. Do yeah. your job. Yeah. It's not your job to make a conclusion on what you think happened. It's your job to find the fucking actual facts. Yep. None of this they ran away bullshit anymore. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I know. Ugh. It's it's just... Yeah. But anyways, it it's, makes me so yeah, angry. I, know. I, I get, We both get. We so, always like, dwell on this, but I it's get, just like, like it's. We can't change it now. No. I, I just hope police aren't still responding that way. Imagine. Yeah. So, um, it was. So the white case, like many of that time, remained open, but did run cold, pretty quickly. Okay. It didn't help that, like I said, their timeline was completely skewed by the two boys who had dropped Linda off but never admitted to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, not until 40 years later when Michael Arnfield tracked one of them down. Okay. Of course he did. Of course, of he, course did. he did. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, <laughs> I say that in the best way possible. Yeah, I know, yeah, of course absolutely. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, um, the police didn't take the pile of clothes found under Linda's bedspread as weird even though it is though it's super weird of course yep. even though about a dozen people had searched the room prior and had sworn that they weren't there before mm -hmm. they took that as linda had like come home after her exam her roommate somehow just like missed her walking through the door i guess for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. that happens also or she climbed through the window because like that's normal right yeah, like oh no, no, no. i don't want to say hi to my roommates so i don't got the energy even though i have energy yeah. to go out and party and blow off steam so Lift i'm gonna climb body. through the fucking window <laughs> i'm gonna <Climb>. levitate <laughs> float up break a window get in strip sleep. off my clothes shove them under my bed yeah. and go back out the window <laughs> that's not how it happened we know that that's that's their theory no, no. i'm just kidding but like that's, <laughs> that's their theory and they're sticking to it <laughs> um so they took it as like she arrived home after her exam changed and went out for a night of partying probably like getting herself into some trouble and, mm, sure. and that's why totally. she hasn't returned home yeah no nope, basically that, yeah in the year after wow. in the year after her disappearance, uh, the police would say that they had done everything they could to find Linda. No, they didn't. But compared her to another local girl who had run off with her boyfriend in nineteen sixty five and who they said, quote, is probably married and raising a family by now. Yep. That makes sense. To be clear, this girl who ran off with her boyfriend in nineteen sixty five, like I don't think there was any evidence that she was happy in raising a family by now. Like, I think they were just like, Jumps we know this girl ran off with her boyfriend. She's probably totally fine and very so happy. Linda probably did the same, even though none of her no. friends... There's nothing mentioned in any of either of these books that says that she had a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, or that she had anyone that she would have just been running off with. And starting a whole brand new life. Like Yeah, just being like, hey, I just started. After exams. I just started my first year at Western. Actually, you know what? I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go just run off with some random yeah. person. Never speak to my family and friends again. And just leave, do my own thing. Leave no note of where I'm going. Like, no. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No. For sure. People do that all the time. All yeah, the time, sure. constantly. I know, like, 27 people have <laughs> yeah. done that. Yeah, all those people we never saw again. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> all of those countless people I've just never seen again. Sure. <laughs> Um, so Linda's parents hired two private investigators to work outside of the police force to okay. try and find her. Um, I think the reasons are probably obvious yes. by now yeah. why they did that. There would be apparent sightings of Linda in the coming years out of town or at music festivals with hippies. Like, I think it's just... It becomes like a mythical thing. Where exactly. It's like, I think it almost becomes like lore yeah. where it's like, oh, yeah, I saw this like blonde hippie girl who kind of looked like Linda. Linda. Oh, that was her. Yeah. She ran away and she's now she's living her best life. Like, sure. You know what? I want to believe that. I want to believe she's out there just dancing and, you know, blowing in the wind. Sure. But, um, although like Linda's <laughs> friends described her more of like the prom queen type, not really like the wild hippie flower child yeah. type. You know like what I mean? Like a little bit more structured and with a plan, yes. with goals and like just, yeah. A little bit and a little bit more like reserved. Wholesome. Yeah. 
um, no one that actually knew her believed she had just run off and gotten into trouble. No. Like, the people that you surround yourself with do know you. Mm-hmm. Like, if I disappeared tomorrow, I think everyone would be like, that's a little odd. Like <laughs> Absolutely. A little odd. I don't think there would be a single person that would be like, oh, she just ran off. So that's why I'd be like, why is that the first conclusion always when, like, you should at yeah. least ask the people that know that person best? Like, is it in their behavior to do such mm-hmm. a thing? Like, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's not like, I mean hypothetically if you just like ran off because you were like you know what my life is too stressful and i just need to like you would text or call someone at least one person back in the 60s you would you would call from a payphone you know what i mean like if you're like hey mom and dad things got too Mm -hmm. stressful like something's going on i'm in wherever just call and let you know i'm okay yeah like there was still ways to do that is all i'm saying even without cell phones in the the internet and stuff like there was ways yeah this is back in the time when everyone memorized everybody's phone numbers. I still have Alyssa's <laughs> home phone number memorized. Yeah. I won't say oh, it. Oh, any of my childhood yeah. friends, like, where, or we were kind of, like, grade five, six, seven, like, getting cell phones or something like that. And yeah. I remembered, like, I have a couple of friends where I can still remember their cell phone numbers or their home phone numbers. Yeah. And, like, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I had so. to work to, like, memorize Luke's because I was like, I should know your Drew, okay, Drew number. has mine memorized. I don't have his memorized. Becky. I know. Well, the problem for me is it's actually confusing because his phone number is, like, the exact same digits as his mom's phone number minus one number. And they're always, they'll, like, recite it to me. They're like, God, it's obviously this, but then the last number's this. And it, they always confuse me with that. So I'm like, no, now I'm not memorizing either of your phone numbers. You I was going to say, just me. memorize one. And then if you're in trouble, at least it's one of them that'll answer. I know, but <laughs> that's okay. You're like, oh, Linda. Oh, sh- sh- I ah, thought shit. it was true. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, okay. So we're going to fast forward. This, like I said, was... She went missing November 1968. Okay. In April of 1973. Okay. A farmer in Bayham Township was walking the outer edges of his property. Where's Bayham? This is all... Uh, okay. Do I say? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say okay. where this is. Okay, okay. Generally. Sorry. Um, he... I just... I think I added it later. He noticed... Um, he was walking the edges of his property. He noticed some clothing. Okay. The clothing was wrapped up with a broken piece of what looked like a land surveyor's range pole. And it looked like the entire Uh heap had been, like, tossed from a moving car. Like, it was just sort of, like, thrown. Thrown about. Okay. Um, Okay. Very interesting. Yes. So, where he found the clothing was very close to the spot where Jackie English's clothes were found in the fall of 1969 okay wow yeah so like i said this was uh linda went missing before jackie but then jackie was 1969 her clothes were found like eight days after she went missing Mm -hmm. and we fast forward to 1973 now so jackie english's stuff has already been recovered okay so that's why they were like this is very close to where jackie's clothes were found in 1969 and uh, it was less than a five-minute drive away from where Jackie's clothes were found. Okay. Is where Linda, uh, Linda's clothes That's were found. That's pretty close. The police were able to track down one of Linda's old roommates, and she identified the clothing as belonging to Linda. So they okay. were able to determine that it was Linda's clothing. A month later, across from a cemetery in a small village called Forestville, okay, which is in Norfolk County, so that's a 30-minute drive east from where Linda's clothes were found. Okay. Another farmer stumbled across an entire human skeleton. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the OPP, which included Dennis Alsop. Of course. Were... Which is Dennis Alsop, you mean. Yeah, he is. He is. (laughs) He is. (laughs) The OPP at this time. Um, They were swarming almost immediately, of course. He just found an entire human skeleton. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And Dennis, as I've covered in these episodes before, being Dennis, had an inkling that they had just found the body of Linda White before they had determined it. He just had a feeling. And Mm -hmm. he was right. Oh, my God. Okay. They used dental records to confirm that that this was, in fact, the body of 19-year-old Linda White. Okay. Found almost five years after she vanished into thin air. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Um. 
she so her body was found over a hundred kilometers or sixty five miles um over an hour's drive away from where she was last seen. So not relatively close, but definitely within a particular area yeah. of interest, I think, in these these cases. like London cases yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And Georgia Jackson being Elmer, like this is all within that area. Yeah. Um the interesting part about this particular location is that the Canadian National Railway had acquired the old South Norfolk Railway line that ran past the Hillcrest Cemetery, very okay. near to where Linda's okay. body was found. Yeah. Beginning in the summer of 1967, which would be before Linda was went missing, section men from the CNR were brought in to pull up the tracks from the abandoned rail line. Okay. This is something where it's hard to it's hard to tell people to do this. We need to keep that part in mind because the Canadian National Railway becomes a very, very sort of like specific point of interest in these bleeding London cases. You've said that, yes, yeah. It it keeps popping up too with most of the cases and it's like just like this background feature that they're all kind of connected by it. And it's Yes. Yeah. So yeah, basically we'll get we'll get to those in some of the later episodes, but keep that in mind. The CNR railway is important. Um, also, go back and listen to the Georgia Jackson case if you haven't already. You could re-listen to it as well because there is someone involved in that case who was a section man, yes. one of the section men for the CNR yes. railway. That's why this particular point is interesting. This particular location in the Linda White case, yeah, will later maybe possibly be connected two other cases okay so it's just that location is significant it was definitely significant for dennis alsop um and again it's mentioned a lot in the forest city killer in vanessa brown's theories and stuff so i will elaborate on that as we get through more of the cases but that's just why that particular area is interesting linda's skeleton was found lying on its back in what looked like a posed position it was found under some some concealment of trees, having been carried from the killer's car, which would have had to have stayed parked on the small laneway that runs opposite the entrance to the cemetery. Um, the arms and legs were both spread out wide, suggesting the killer was... Displaying. Yeah. Playing off some sort of, like, visual fantasy. Okay. And posing in that way. <sighs> the place yeah. was somewhat well-concealed. Uh, but Dennis also felt it was easy enough for the killer to relocate if he wished to revisit the okay. site and right. relive the crime. I fucking hate that. As we I know, hate that so much. many serial killers have admitted to doing. Yeah. So I think that's why, again, like I said, long before any of this stuff was written into literature, Dennis was like analyzing this in the way of like, okay, there's some concealment here enough to like hide it so that people won't find it right away. But it's also an open enough area or an identifiable enough area that someone could like come back and find it easily enough. Right. If they knew where to look. Yeah. So again, just like thinking way beyond anybody else at the time. Yeah. But these were these sort of like mental notes he was taking, right? Um, Dennis also took note of the fact that the body was completely stripped of all clothing and jewelry, right down to Linda's, um, medic alert bracelet, which she normally wore on her right wrist. Okay. Her jewelry and medic alert bracelet had also, uh, had also, they weren't found with the rest of her clothing the month prior. Okay. So that stuff was never found. Is it, like, assumed to be kept as, like, a souvenir or trophy? That's definitely what Dennis assumed. Okay. And I think that's, like, what a lot of people are theorizing about is that, like, once we sort of draw possible connections to some of these cases, like, there were souvenirs that were possibly taken in the Georgia Jackson case or in the Jackie English case where there's, like, jewelry and bits and pieces that were never recovered that were, I think, maybe assuming were taken as as trophies. Okay. Um, So Linda's skeleton was almost entirely there, but her right arm was missing. Okay. And it looked like it had been severed cleanly from the shoulder joint. Oh. Or, um, like, I read two different accounts, either from the shoulder joint or from, the like, the elbow, basically, like, just the lower part of the right arm. Either okay. way, the part of the right arm or the entire right arm was, was missing. That okay. part of the skeleton was not there, and it wow. had been severed. This right arm was never recovered. Okay. 
without consulting an anthropologist or anyone who was actually qualified to make such a claim, um, the pathologist who did the autopsy declared the missing arm the result of animal scavenging. So this is very similar to the Georgia Jackson case where yeah. there was like that strip of her arm that was like missing. cleanly removed cleanly yeah. removed that was like definitely not an animal no bite marks no definitely not an animal they don't no they don't um like separate or pull apart bodies in that or kind of way rulers to like cut the most pristine <laughs> no lines. and they definitely don't go for your arm no as well they're going for other areas right yeah so um again they just didn't consult anyone who would have been able to dispute that so the pathologist was just sort of like animals yeah and, naturally and of course people accepted that michael arntfield in murder city discusses the extensive research that has been put into studying animal scavenging in rural canada that we now know and he very much refutes this conclusion it sounds like anyone who knew anything about animal activity in this manner back in 1973 also would have refuted this but um, no such professionals were consulted. Okay. Arntfield explains that no animal takes just one limb from a corpse in the wild. No. This just isn't, it's not how they operate. Animals pull a body apart and take all of like the richest food sources that they can. Yeah. And they'll like separate the bones out of the way to get to those yeah. sources. They're yeah. not, if that's an entire food source for them, they're not just going to take one little piece of the arm and then walk Run away. off and scurry and be they're like, gonna, well, I'll leave the rest of that. They're going to go and get their like pack or whatever and come back and they're going to pull that whole thing apart basically yeah. Yeah. um also noted by arnfield is that linda's skeleton was bleached white by the sun so this is really important and i didn't okay. want to sort of screw up explaining this so i just took a quote from murder city to okay. sort of explain this part so Bodies left outdoors during the late autumn through to the spring inevitably develop a waxy coating on the bones known as adipoker. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyways, it's a waxy coating on the bones. The result of dampness and humidity affecting the decomposition process, uh, especially in, so in southern Ontario's climate. Okay. Soil samples taken from the same location 40 years nearly to the day after linda disappeared as part of the research conducted for this book being murder city mm -hmm. and then later submitted to laboratory testing by a certified expert confirmed that the conditions and, ac and acidity levels of the soil at linda's recovery site were and remain optimal for the formation of adipoker during the month of november when she went missing okay all modern and reliable biological evidence and related testing therefore indicates that between the fall of 1968 mm -hmm. and the spring or summer of 1971 when decomposition began okay linda's body was kept somewhere else okay. somehow preserved or frozen to delay decomposition okay so Basically, what he's saying is that because of this bleaching white from the sun um, and the soil samples that they've taken, he and the testing that he's done for his book. Yeah. The gist of this is that he can pretty confidently say that if Linda was abducted and murdered in November of 1968, her body was not dumped where it was found until much later. Okay. okay. So it was either put somewhere else and then moved there or it was preserved. Okay. Say like in a freezer. Yes. Which is another sort of point. There was a point in the Georgia Jackson case. I was just going to ask about that. When Dennis Alsop made notes of like after David Bodemer had been arrested, mm -hmm. there was notes of like the, like the little property he had rented yeah, like shed and the shed thing that he had like worked in where it had been demolished. And then Dennis Alsop went and found George Jackson's glove in like the wreckage. Do you remember me talking mm -hmm. about that? Yeah. He had found, I think he had found like blueprints or something for that little shack. Okay. Um, when it was standing and he said that there was electrical, running through it meaning he meaning could've, he could have had like a freezer. a freezer yeah that was just something dennis had noted yeah these are all very hypothetical connections yeah. yeah but it is something where the fact that michael arntfield was able to determine that like linda was kept, kept somewhere, somewhere else mm -hmm. and the decomposition didn't begin until years later 
kind of to me signals that it was probably frozen. Like yeah. what else? There's no other unless way someone to... was embalming it. Like, and that, uh, that that's a whole other like. That's what I mean. I feel like yeah. that is like much that's less, less likely less than likely. exactly than, than being preserved in a freezer. And I don't even actually know the science behind embalming. Like maybe there's a way to be like, no, that's completely out of the picture too because of this, this, and this. Like yeah. it sounds like it was frozen somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then dumped yeah. years later. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So yeah. just details that are definitely important in this case. Absolutely. So, um. It sounds like to a trained eye, looking at this skeleton, some of these things would have been super obvious, but none of the people present at the time when the body was discovered had any of this knowledge. The only person, of course, that walked away from that skeleton feeling like something was off with the state of the skeleton, the skeleton compared to the dump site mm-hmm. was Dennis Alsop, okay. of course. He just, and again, I think it's because like, if you don't have the training specifically to understand why but you're looking at it and you're like something doesn't match up here and you just don't but you can't explain why no one's really gonna it's almost not even worth voicing your concerns because no one's gonna really listen to you that's great cool let's deal with what we know yeah yeah exactly like the assumption for most people would be like this is where we found it and this is where the body's been for five years question it yeah um no cause of death would be determined from the autopsy and Linda White would be Dennis's last official London and area case as an OBP officer. Okay. He would investigate Linda White extensively during the summer of 1973, but he was soon promoted to superintendent and moved from London to Toronto. Right. Yes. Which I had alluded to in some other cases that eventually he would be moved out of moved, London. Yeah. Although it is known to those closest to him, and now to all of us, um, that he never quite stopped investigating these cases... That would continue to swirl in his mind. Yeah. Um, He never stopped believing there were connections and that these cases could be solved one day. I still agree with that. And I think there are a lot of people that still believe that. It's it's mostly due to his meticulousness and his notes that... That If there is any possibility, it'll be all in thanks to him. Absolutely. Because even after he moved to Toronto, his family, um, who discovered these notes and files and documents after his death... Um, confirmed that they were like, yeah, he never really, he never really stopped. Yeah. He was always making a trip out to interview someone or yeah, investigating or researching yeah. or it's, like. It's kind of hard to shelf that when you're so invested, so. Absolutely. And there's so many. And again, he was the only one I think that was looking at these cases, like something's going on here. to figure out the connection. At least some of these cases are connected. And yeah. like I said, we will get to those and like, kind of like, anal- like analyzing these cases and. I feel like once you know all the information, it yeah. feels obvious to me that some like of these cases are some connected. Juicy info. And, and yeah. it's one of those things, too, where like we see things come out all the time where like DNA testing advancements or genealogy testing and things like yeah. that, where it's like if some of these cases actually are connected and you can get like one DNA hit and and kind of yeah. connect the rest of them like that could solve like four or five six murders yeah. in one go you know what i mean we don't have dna evidence from all of these of course we don't have dna evidence off of linda's body from anyone else mm-hmm. but at least with like proper investigating and doing everything we can to to do those that, yeah. those tests one day we could be like pretty sure yeah you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. If we can solve at least one or two of these cases and connect them to others, then that's all it really takes to get the like. And again, ball the rolling. perpetrators might be dead, but it doesn't matter. It's still like the families still deserve Closure. justice, and yeah. the community deserves answers. Yeah, because yeah. these weren't really. There's there's no sense in giving up. Like there just isn't. No. There's, no. So like yeah, being able to resolve at least one will help us. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Yeah, so so uh, the Linda White case is one that, uh, as with most of them, we'll be returning to when we discuss some of these connections uh, with, like, Jackie English, Jacqueline Dunleavy, Georgia Jackson, um, Frank Jensen. Yeah, I know, eh? A lot of Jack. A lot of Jack. Well, there's two Jacklins, technically, Jackie English and, and Jacqueline Jackson. Dunleavy. And then yeah. Georgia Jackson, yeah. Um, a lot of J's. A lot of J's. Oh, do you think that's significant? Maybe. 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 I, I don't know the rest of the details, though, so that could just be nothing. 
That could just be nothing. Now we'll analyze all of the initials later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, okay. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's where I'll leave it for now. Like I said, there's going to be more discussion in terms of like when yes. we pull all these cases in together. But um, that is, yeah, that's Linda White. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did a great job. Thanks. That's heavy. Yeah, this one, it's just, uh, I don't know. They're, they're all heavy. They're all heavy. They're all heavy. They all suck. Like, I think this one was also yeah. like, I feel like with like Jackie English she was 15 and we talked about how you know she got her first couple of jobs and she had money and she like really liked fashion and like I feel like there was ways I could identify with her and then I I do the Linda White case and I'm like I there's so many ways I can identify with her like I remember being like out of high school and you're like in university or college for the first time and you're like now I'm an I'm an adult I'm living on my own redefine myself I'm gonna do this like yeah like just like these these girls these people in the like where they are in life it's just in their sort of they're in these like pivotal pivotal years yeah, yeah where it's like where everything's changing and you're so excited about everything and yeah. like your whole life is ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't make it any less sad when it's a, like, you know, say an older person or anything like that. No. It's just like, I feel like where I am in my life, like these years, it those pivotal years for relate. me just feel like so close behind me. Like I was just there. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to think about their families and everyone just being like, this is just not out fair. Of the blue and it's, we don't deserve this. Like this is not, Yeah 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 so again um yeah i mean this is like this is our our hometown kind of cases so if anyone has information these cases are still open um and i would say you know london police service still has these files but there are also other people investigating these cases as well too there are basically if you have information there are people that will listen yeah I mean, hey, For we'll sure. listen. We'll absolutely listen. We'll listen. But <laughs> there are also, like, much more qualified more, people that will listen yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> more, like, I don't know, formal channels mm-hmm. that will listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we're, we're here. We're here we're just here. to chat about it. Yep. Just chat your ear off. Piss you off. Uh, so if you want to, set like, chat and, you know blast our ears off with information do it up sign up and be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed i forgot i'm reading it and i forgot (laughs) and if you ever want to chat and connect with us you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com or you can dm us or comment on our posts on instagram at how to not get killed and you can follow us on Twitter at H2NGK. And you can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Keep it sleazy. Do it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.